Hello, Cross Timbers family, and welcome to episode 34 of the CT Conversations podcast, where each week we explore more of what we are learning together as a church. My name is Ian Harbour, and today I am joined by our brand new Argyle Children's Pastor, Angel Royal. We have a great conversation, and I can't wait for you to get to know her better. She's awesome. Today, we are talking about contentment. Our campus pastors shared a great message this weekend about one of the most famous, but also one of the most misunderstood verses in the whole Bible. And so we are going to pick up that topic in our conversation today, and it's a good one. So I hope you enjoy it. And while I'm at it, if anything in this conversation speaks to you, means something to you, helps you, anything like that, Would you mind sharing this podcast with your friends or family or on social media? This, of course, is a podcast by Cross Timbers and for Cross Timbers so that we can all follow Jesus and find freedom together more. And so if you could help us out just by spreading the word, sharing it to those you love, that would help us tremendously. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Angel. Enjoy. All right, so I am sitting here with our brand new Argyle Children's Pastor, Angel Royal. (laughs) Welcome on, Angel. Thanks for having me. How are you? How's it going? It's, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good, yes. (laughs) Welcome on staff, by the way. You, so you just came on, we were talking about this. You just came on like three weeks ago. Yes, November 1st was my first day. That's exciting. Yes. Yes, we've been at Cross Timbers for about two and a half years um, just attending, Mm -hmm. and I've served in kids' ministry. I think since like February or March. Wow. But um, I have just recently come on staff. So it's a little different side of everything. Yeah, definitely. But you said that you've been in children's ministry for at least 10 years now, right? I actually started serving in kids ministry when I was eight years old. Oh, wow. on and off through college, I went to North Texas up here in Denton. Uh And even during that time, I was in and out of serving in kids ministry. So probably, yeah, probably a, a good... You know, if I don't date myself with my age, <laughs> maybe around thirty years or so wow. that I've I've served in kids ministry. That's incredible. What made you so passionate about kids ministry? I mean, obviously you're starting at eight, but as you grew up, and what where did that passion kind of come from? Um. So I um I grew up in a family where my parents, um, when we were young, didn't go to church. Mm-hmm. Um, we were invited to church by somebody down the street, and um. As a kid, I didn't understand about a relationship with Jesus. And in fact, I would come home and and every Sunday I would ride a church bus um, and I'd come home and I would pray and ask mm. Jesus in my heart again, just in case he didn't hear me before. <laughs> every time, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so as I got older, I just had a huge heart for kids to be able to understand that it's not something they have to do over and over. And mm. just to put people, whether it's adults, whether it's students, people to speak truth in these kids' lives. Mm. Hopefully it's parents that can do that, but sometimes parents aren't able to. Um So with that, God used that in a huge way. And my family moved to Texas when I was eight. And um, my dad and mom were on staff at a church for years. Um, And so my dad actually just passed away this last year, but he was a missions director for several years. And before that, he taught at a Christian school. So um, 
it's kind of just, I feel like it's kind of in my blood. It's I swore I wouldn't ever, there. it yeah. has been. I swore wow. I wouldn't work for a church when I was young. <laughs> um, and I learned long ago to never say no to I things. I was about to say, it says every pastor ever. Uh, <laughs> you know? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. And I even, I've worked for other churches and I've taken a break, um, but there's just something um, that God just pulls my heart back. Um, the wonder mm. that a child sees um, when they walk into a space or they see an adult, um, when they hear about how much Jesus loves them and how he made them. Mm. I just, I think a lot of our adult problems would be a whole lot easier if we would just go back to the whole God made me, God loves me and Jesus wants to be my friend forever. Yeah, I mean, if we believe that as adults, our identity issues, anything that we have going on, I think would would totally change. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so big because I mean, all of the things, all the problems that we run into as adults, obviously situations get far more complicated, but all the truths are the same, you know? Yes. All the truths are like, who are we in Christ and who has God made us to be? And like, does God love me? And right. do I matter in the world? And that's not what it all comes back to. It yeah. does, it mm-hmm. does. And just because hard things happen doesn't mean he loves me any less. Right. And, you know, but as adults, we think when we go through the hard things that, oh no, but it, it all goes back to the basics. Yeah, and it's laying that foundation at that young age so yes. that as they grow up, those truths are sort of like Toronto's ministry for you, or they're sort of in your blood, you know? Yes, yeah. yes, that's my hope. And so yeah. that even as these kids wander and we all hear the stories about kids who walk away from their faith yeah. um, and then they, most of them come back to it. Mm. And I think that's because of that foundation Wow. Um, that God puts in our hearts. I love that. At young ages. I think that's so important. And so speaking of, I mean, just simple truths that mm-hmm. we don't live into all the time. Right. The message this weekend from our campus pastors was about contentment. Yes. And I don't know about you, Angel, but I am not content <laughs> most of the time. And, um, you know, so the the passage that they, they spoke on was Philippians 4, you know, the famous verse, I can do all things through Christ who yes. strengthens me. And surprise, surprise, it's not about sports. Right. It's, about, right. it's about contentment and um that's just such a difficult thing for all of us, even though it, it feels so mm-hmm. basic, it's not. No. And so I just want to hear a little bit from your experience, Angel, what lessons, just some lessons that you've learned over the years that you could share with us on how you have slash are learning contentment? Yeah, well, first of all, it's definitely an am learning right yes. now because um, when we talked about this, I laughed because I feel like contentment is kind of like my kryptonite, my nemesis. Really? Yeah. It's something I struggle with um, huh. seriously daily and yeah. a lot of times even hourly. It's just, it's a hard thing for me. Um, what I have found is that contentment for me um, starts, even before contentment, it starts with gratefulness and it hmm. starts with trust. Um, if I am not grateful for what I have, um, if I am not trusting that what I have is the best for me, then I get to a place of discontent. Mm. Um, so for me, I think the word contentment, it's like, how do you, how do you get to that point? It feels scary. It does. But if I go back and I break it down, which I know gratefulness is very different, but I have to be grateful to get to that path to contentment. And if mm. I take care of doing the little things like that, I think God does the contentment in us. Yeah. If that makes any sense whatsoever. No, that does make perfect sense. It's sort of, um, you know, a, a lot of times they'll say that, they'll talk about how this is, it's like the opposite of contentment, but they'll talk about how anger is sort of a cover emotion. Like yes. no one's just angry. They're right. hurt, they're wounded, and it, they're fearful, and it's expressed 
through anger. Right. I feel like contentment works in the same way of like contentment is sort of the fruit of things like what you're talking about. Yes. Gratefulness, thankfulness, trust, Love security, mm-hmm. even, you know, where all those different things come from. I think right. that's really important. So how have you learned to cultivate those like gratefulness and trust mm-hmm. in your life? Because um, I know for me like that, like you said, it's a struggle every single day. So how are ways that you've learned to cultivate that in your life? Um, so there are some certain things that I do um, just as a practice. So last year I had this grand idea that I was going to come up with 2017 things to be thankful for in the year 2017. <laughs> um, I fell way short. I was going to say good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did. Yeah. I fell way short. And But what I tried to remember about it is if, mm. even if I do fall short, as long as I come up with some, and if I'm taking time every day to be thankful mm-hmm. and to be grateful for things, um, then that's okay. Yeah. So this year I started it again um, and I did a little different. I did a backward yeah. countdown so that okay. I know how many days I have left. It's, it's basically, it's it's finding five things to be thankful for a day is all wow. it is, which sounds like nothing, but- But that um, goes a long way. It does. Yeah. And now I'll be honest too, some of my things are things like bacon and um, you know eating <laughs> out and not having to bacon. cook dinner. I yeah. mean, those are things that I put on my thankful. But then as people cross my lives, so- it's a daily practice of sitting down in the morning or the evening or sometimes both and mm-hmm. and just putting at least a couple of things that I'm thankful for for that day. Those are, it's just a discipline for me. I yeah. am, am not a very disciplined person. So this is something that, mm-hmm. that I do. As far as, you know, relying and trusting in God, that's just a day-to-day. I, I honestly have to just tell myself over and over, okay, this is mm. not a punishment when a hard thing comes along. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a an opportunity. Um, a lot of times too, I'm a very capable person. And so I like to rush in and do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have found that when I get in over my head is actually the best place for me to be because that's when I rely on God and I trust in Him to do things in me and through me rather than me trying to just go do it without even thinking and mm-hmm. and um, just moving forward. Yeah, well, and it seems like a lot of times too, the opposite of contentment is not necessarily discontentment, but it's control. It's be, yes. We want control over our lives mm-hmm. and our circumstances. Yep. And when everything seems out of control, which is 90% of the time, you know, like right. we feel discontent in those moments because we, we are not able to control it. And so that's why, I think that's why a lot of times we run to things outside of ourselves, whether that's money or positions or relationships or anything mm-hmm. else to try to, feel a sense of control in our lives. The problem is those things always run dry. They're always empty. And I think that's what's really good about what you're talking about of finding those things every single day that even if it's outside of your control, you're thankful for them. And a lot of times those things come from outside of us. They're gifts sort of given to us, you know, um, by other people. And that's all good gifts come from God as well. Um, One thing... Chase Tremere, our Denton campus pastor, he he spoke this this weekend on on this topic, and he was texting me afterwards, and he was like, you know, one thing you could mention is sort of this idea of centering prayer or just prayer, you know, um, and it's sort of like what you're talking about of how can you thank God for um, the things that have come into your life that that you're thankful for, like you're saying. Um, but part of that starts with even being aware of what are those things. And it's so easy to be down in the weeds of life and difficult circumstances. Um, and I don't think contentment is ignoring difficult circumstances, no. but it's finding the light in the darkness. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, most definitely. I think too, a lot of times with contentment, you talked about control being an opposite. I think um, competition is another opposite. Mm. And so I find when I am on social media and yes. I get caught up and I, and please hear me, I love social media and I post way too mm-hmm. much. Um, <laughs> and my teenagers have told me I'm not allowed to post quite a few things. Man, that I when post. your teenagers tell you, yeah, <laughs> yes. you can't post. <laughs> yes, they, awesome. I, I'm not allowed to, to post anything about them. That's in fact, funny. I had to change my profile picture the other day because one didn't <laughs> like it because she was in it. Oh my goodness. So, but what I yeah. have found is that when I'm looking at Facebook and I catch myself not being happy for mm-hmm. my friends and when things that are really good happening, or I get real cynical of, well, I bet that's really not how it is. Yeah. Um, if I get to that point, then I have to like step back and check my heart because mm-hmm. what is going on is that I am turning what could be something really good into a competition and into um, just discontent in my own heart. Mm-hmm. And it it comes out in a form of envy and jealousy and like I said, cynicism. Yeah. I mean. Well, and there's a part of it too. I love that you're talking about competition and comparison and different things like comparison, that. Comparison, that's because, the word. Well, I think both are true. <laughs> I mean, we are, I was, yeah. you know, I think a lot of that comes out of competition of wanting to be, at a minimum, as good as other people. If, but if we're honest, better than other people, of you know. <laughs> and I think there's a part of that of just being part of love is being for other people, and you can't compete with someone. I, you got to be careful. You can't compare yourself with someone and love them at the same time, exactly. because loving them means you're rejoicing with those who rejoice, and you're weeping with those who weep, and that's celebrating other people's wins. And just because someone got a win does, and you didn't doesn't mean you're bad either, right. you know? And right. I think sometimes we we take that a lot of times too. Yes. Whereas really we want to celebrate with those who get wins because that's awesome for them. And it's no right. mark on us. Um, right. we, we are content with what we have. God exactly. has something else for us. Right, yeah. right. And that is, that is the big mm. key for me is that if I'm, if I'm feeling that way, then it is such a discontent inside me. And yeah. Um, and it comes out of just a yucky place. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, talking about this passage about the famous, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that's contentment. God, like Christ gives us strength outside of ourselves. What is it about Jesus? Because a lot of this, I think, can turn into like, you know what, just suck it up, be content with what you got, you know, don't want other things. But I know I fall short of that every single day. Right. What is it about Jesus that gives us strength that other things can't? You know, you know what I mean? And how do we find that? How do we find joy and contentment? In- the gift itself. Um, and that for me is a huge thing is it's not about what I have and what I don't have. It's really about um, God who loves me and thinking through that love. If I go back to that, um, which is, again, it's such a simple truth. But for mm-hmm. me, it is the biggest truth is just that God loves me no matter what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I have to step back and go into the whole, God loves me, um, whether I've messed up, whether I've done well, I don't have to perform for him. I don't have to be at a certain level. Um, and when I can rest in that, I find that my anxiety, my fears, my anger, as you talked about earlier, all of that subsides. And Mm. that's where that contentment, I feel like, comes in. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and it seems like, you know, like we were talking about, a lot of our discontentment just comes from wanting to feel loved. I mean, whether that's reaching out and grasping other things to make, to bolster ourselves, to make us feel loved. Right. And I think there's that, just the reality of Christ dying on the cross for us because he loves us. Right. Like God gave his life because he loves us so much. And I think when we allow ourselves to, just like, let that be the truest thing about us. You know what I mean? And we reach out for so many other things to be more true about us, whether it's a job position. I know for me, I'm always wondering like, oh man, when I get that job, then I'll be happy. And then maybe I get it and I'm still not happy six months later. Um, But when, when all I need is that I am loved just as I am by the God of the universe who gave himself for me. I mean, I think when that becomes the truest part of who you are, then what else do you need? If if yeah. everything from him is a gift from him, what else do you need? Perfect. Yes. No, you said it great. That's yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's exactly it. So when we're when we're talking about contentment, and obviously you're a children's pastor, you've been in children's ministry forever, parent of teenagers, oh. which you know, teenagers always content, right? Oh, they yes. have no very much so. Very much so. Kids. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about these foundational truths. How can we start to teach our kids' contentment from a young age. So that, like you said, at the very beginning, as they grow up, mm-hmm. even though it's a struggle, even though right. it's not something that comes naturally to anybody, right? how can that sort of be a truth that, like we said, is in their blood that they come back to? Right, right. And you know, and here's the piece with kids that I always kind of struggle with because you can do everything by the books and your kids can still walk away from <laughs> still, God. Yeah. And, um, and as a parent, you're always gonna feel like a failure and what have you. But that, again... Going back to leading them, um, all we can do is it, is put it out there. And I feel like you can't teach your kids contentment if you're not walking through it yourself. Oh, man. Um, it's got to be caught. Um, mm. It's got to be modeled for them. And so whenever I feel like my kids are, oh, my goodness, they're not grateful. They're not thankful. They're not happy with anything they have. And they're always wanting what their friend has, whether it's a different kind of car or a different pair of jeans or more of is usually what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to step back because a lot of times they're getting that from me personally wow. because I'm sitting there thinking, well, my house needs more decor. Or I need to buy this or my car, you know, is a little bit older and I, you know, it's time for a new one. So I, I think that's where a lot of it comes from. Mm-hmm. I think with kids though, too, they are so visual, especially when they're young. I think back to um, my 14-year-old daughter when she was four. She had watched a video of a little girl walking to get water or something and didn't have shoes. And it was in mm. India or Africa. I don't even remember what country. That impacted her in a mm. huge way because she went home and saw that she had like eight or nine pair of shoes and this little girl didn't have any. Mm-hmm. And so it changed her perspective a little bit um, for that short time, at least. Yeah. And again, it's it's experiences like that. And it's hard because you don't want to put them in a situation where they are going into comparing, well, I have more than this person or I have less. Yeah. But that is the reality. Mm. And so when my girls were little, one of the things that they still talk about to this day that I think was one of the best things we ever did. Mm. And it was one of those fluke things. I make (laughs) a lot of stupid decisions. Um, I came up with this idea one year that we would um, not have a Christmas tree. And instead we would give that money to, um, it was gonna go to build a clean well Mm. somewhere. And 
they about lost it. I think they were like, <laughs> you know, six and eight or something. I mean, they were young when mm-hmm. Christmas is, you know, all about how many gifts and what's Santa going to bring me. And, right. Um, and so we talked about it and they said, no, we don't want to do it. And as a parent, I was just very discouraged and said, okay, fine. Um, so then later they caught me watching a video and they saw this video of the dirty water that these mm-hmm. kids were drinking from. And that was what impacted them because nobody should have to drink dirty water. Mm -hmm. And so they started saying, so if we didn't do a Christmas tree, what would we do? And so my husband took garland and he drew a Christmas tree on the wall with garland. We hung (laughs) ornaments on it. We strung lights across our ceiling. We had the trashiest looking house. It looks like (laughs) Christmas threw up. That's incredible. My kids absolutely loved it. So even in teaching them um, contentment and that we were able to give, and we taught them generosity, I guess, too, at that point, too, because we're giving away. um, What they saw is that even by giving this away and giving up a Christmas tree that year, we had more than enough to have a really fun Christmas. Yeah, And so it was... Again, we didn't do it after that. They the next year they said we are going to get a tree this year, right? So, <laughs> right. but yeah. it's just it's one of those things that I think will stick with them. Mm. And they, like I said, they talk about it and remember that year we had Christmas all over our house and uh, that was really fun. Yeah, that's a great idea. I think that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and- again, like I said, it didn't work after the first year, um, and <laughs> I wouldn't and even yeah. attempt it now. Yeah. But. Um, but yeah, it was. I think that's the thing with contentment too. With kids, sometimes we we try to tell them, well, they don't have this, and you should be happy for what mm. you've got on your plate. And um, when I was a kid, it was the kids in Ethiopia don't have this food, and so you mm-hmm. can't throw it away. And um, I, it, it's got to be fun though too for kids. Yeah. You can't expect them to learn a lesson by depriving them mm. of something, you have to you have to find something to make it fun for them. And if you do that, those are the things that stick with them. If they're, somebody said something the other day about laughter. When you laugh, mm-hmm. you remember things better. And you, um, I don't even know where it came from, but you accept them and you just, you learn them and they're ingrained in you a little bit more when you're laughing and you're enjoying things. Yeah, I think that's a big, and, you know, it, this is kind of random, but it reminded me in the business world, there's this, you know, saying culture eats strategy for breakfast, yes. you know, and I think that's actually true in the home too, if, if parenting and really any situation, but you can come up with a whole strategy. I mean, I, that's a great plan. I think people should do that. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. if that's not a culture that you created, if that's not something right. that's caught as well as taught, but it's also right. caught just from how the parents are living, you know, then it can come off a little heavy handed, but if it's the culture of your family, mm-hmm. I think that really creates an impact and your kids are still talking about it. Even if you can't get away with it again, right. it made an impact. Right. You know, right. and I think that's huge. Yes. But believe me, we do have a long Christmas list already yes. <laughs> at our house that we want. And yes. they've got lots of pictures from Ulta that they have sent me. So yes. Well, there you go. <laughs> awesome. Angel, thank you so much for coming on. This is great. Thank you. And I'm so happy you're on our team now thank as you. our, our thank kids you. pastor. Thank you so much. We yes. love being here. Good. Awesome. Well, thanks. One thing that I think is interesting from Chase's message this weekend is that he pointed out that Paul learned the secret to contentment. That means that contentment isn't 
a gift handed to you from out of the sky. It's a skill you can learn. There is grace upon grace for us every day that we fail, but living a life of contentment that leans on the strength of Christ gives us the best way to live life. It drives out control and competition and comparison and replaces it with freedom and grace. Jesus gives us the strength for that kind of life. December 2nd is the last step one of Pathway in 2018. And wow, can you believe that this year is already coming to a close? That, that's just wild to me. And if you haven't gone through Pathway this year, I highly, highly recommend that you do. It is full of amazing content to help you take your next step in following Jesus. And you will meet some amazing people in it as well. So you can register for that by going to crosstimberschurch.org slash pathway. And we will be back next week with another conversation. So as always, thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week.